it's going to be more like vegetables than it is cake. And I want you to, to, to grow. Uh, I don't care how many members we have, five or 500, uh, in my time here as pastor, my job description hadn't changed. I'm supposed to do two things. I'm supposed to edify you, glorify God. And the second thing is to make sure that I'm equipping you for ministry. And that ministry could be for you. There's some things that you need to know. Or it could be that you need to know them so you'll be equipped to share them with others. This is one of those messages where it's where we live, but it's kind of hard to swallow. And so I wanted to warn you about that because it's not going to be sweet. I'd much rather talk about uh, how God can move mountains and how God can do whatever He wants to do and He's going to take that, that lump and He's going to do uh, all of these wonderful things when you get sick and all you have to do is call His name and you'll be healed. But that's not what the Bible teaches the Bible teaches that there are some people who had faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and, and, and God did a miraculous thing for them. But, but it's also in Hebrews chapter 11, these individuals had faith and it didn't work out for them. And God doesn't say they didn't have faith and that's the reason why it didn't work out. God says, I stand up and give them an ovation because even in the midst of difficulty, they had faith. Even when it didn't work out, they had faith. Even when it didn't work out the way uh, they wanted it to work out, and they didn't get delivered, and they didn't get healed, and they didn't get rescued. But God says that the world wasn't even worthy of them, because they have faith. And so, if you have your Bible, or if you'd like to look up on the screen, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 38, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Actually, uh, a good bit of chapter 38, but we're going to talk about a king named Hezekiah. So let me know you have it by standing in reverence for God's Word, and we'll read just the first three verses. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word in Isaiah chapter 38 today. We pray that you would be glorified and that Jesus would be lifted up. And as Jesus is lifted up, Father, we pray that we might believe on him. And as believing on him, we pray that we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, 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 Amen. and amen. I want to talk for the next few minutes on the subject, what to do when you get the bad news. What to do when you get the bad news. We're going to look at King Hezekiah and his response to the bad news that Isaiah gave him when Isaiah said, The Lord says to you, set your house in order because you are going to die and you will not live. 
Many of us know of individuals who've gotten that bad news. We've heard testimonies of those who have, have gotten the news. And, and, and I wish there'd be a law uh, in the, the, the medical field uh, where doctors could not tell you how long you have to live. I just think that that is, is uh, just a, a bad practice. Well, you have a, a month or you have six months or you have a year to live. That may be their best guess. I just don't like that. But many of us either have had that kind of news or we know of family or friends or loved ones who have gotten the bad news. Those who, women who are dealing with breast cancer, when you, when you have that mammogram and they find that lump and, and the doctor gives you the bad news that that lump is a malignant tumor and it is not just a benign cyst. Uh, it's that bad news when, uh, uh, like me, they said you have heart disease and you're going to have to take medication the rest of your life. Uh, that, that bad news when you get uh, a word that there is a terminal illness that you have, have or there is something going on with your body that cannot be cured. There's, there's this sense in which all of us either have had it or we know people have, who have had that bad news that has been given. The issue becomes, what do we do when we get the bad news? None of us are immune to it. All of us are connected to it. But nobody wants to talk about it. And men and women, I think that the Bible has a little bit to say about everything we have in our lives. I remember I was doing some marriage counseling and this couple... Uh, uh, came, the husband came one time and then the husband didn't want to come and the wife kept coming and, and she described her wife as, her husband is doing all of these, uh, unfortunate things and, 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 uh, there's an F word that, uh, characterizes his behavior. F-O-O-L. You know that word? And, and, and it dawned on me, if I'm gonna counsel this woman, I have to find in the Word of God what you do when you're married to an F-O-O-L. And uh, how many know that there's a story about this woman named Abigail? And his name means fool. The, the man. She, so we went there and was able to counsel her. How many know if you go and, and you're experiencing either on the job or at school or in your family, you've got haters that surround you? And you say, well, what does the Bible have to say about haters? Well, you go to a, a, a book called Nehemiah, and Nehemiah dealt with this fellow named Sanballat, who tried, he was a hater. And the Scripture actually gives you a prescription on what to do with, with, with haters. Well, what do you do when you get the diagnosis or you get the word that you are going to die? What do you do? How do you respond? And many of us need to know that that, that happens and, and there could be no deficiency in our lives at all. As a matter of fact, turn to the next slide and I want to tell you a little bit about King Hezekiah before you point the finger at him and say, well, there must be a deficiency in his life. There must be something he was doing that would cause the Lord to say, you're going to die. And, and what we discover is that King Hezekiah was a good king. He was the 14th king of Judah. 
He was a king that did right in the eyes of the Lord. And in 2 Kings chapter 18, it says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king, the king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, uh, the king, was the king of Judah and began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abbey and he was the daughter, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden image and broke the pieces of the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Neshutan. They worshipped that bronze serpent as an idol. And then in verse 5 it says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after Him none was like Him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before Him. For He held fast to the Lord. He didn't depart from following Him, but kept His commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with Him. He prospered wherever He went. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve Him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and His territory from the watchtower to the fortified city. Listen. King Hezekiah was a good king. Not only was he a good king, he was a great king. The Scripture says that there was none who came before him that was like him, and there was none that came after him that was like him. He tore down all of the idols that Israel worshipped in Judah. He tore down all of the Ashtoreths. He tore down anything that would not bring glory to God. He was a good man. He was a good man. The context of chapter uh, 38 in Isaiah is, if you were to read before it, especially the account here in 2 Kings, is the king of Assyria, a man named Sennacherib, who, who was going up against Israel and it was taking over territory. He made threats to Hezekiah. He made threats that they were going to destroy Judah. And instead of going to battle immediately against the Assyrians, instead of pulling his air out, instead of being in a panic, what Hezekiah did was he just prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord and 185,000 Assyrians were killed just by the hand of the Lord. They didn't even have to go to battle. In the midst of this, according to most Bible scholars, although he is seeing great success, although he is walking in the ways of the Lord, although he is doing everything that God has commanded, in the midst of this, it is not like verse 38 is after 37 and 36. It is not like that. It is saying in the days in which he was prospering, in the days in which he was doing what he was supposed to do. In the days in which he was leading well, that's when he grew sick. Bible scholars wonder, because later on in the text you find that there was a boil or a cyst or, or a tumor that he had. Many think it may be cancer. Some think it may have been a blood disease that caused his, his body to become septic. 
Many believe it might been, might have been an ancient version of, of uh, leukemia that he had. Whatever it was, it was a terminal illness. And Isaiah, he lived in the, in the time of Isaiah. Isaiah goes to him. Isaiah says to him, listen, about you being sick, about you being ill, I want to tell you that I sought the Lord and the Lord says for me to tell you to set your house in order because you are not going to live, you are surely going to die. So many of us, we wonder, we say, well, what does so-and-so do to get breast cancer? Or what, what, they may, must have some sin in their life. Or they must have uh, a, a, a dubious uh, uh, habit that they're... they're they, or, or they must be living in sin. Or they must be defying God. Or they must not be worshiping right. And, and you, you can get super spiritual like a TV preacher and say, maybe they weren't paying their tithes. You know where they got that from. But no, he, he was doing what the Lord... And all of a sudden, it came. The news came. All of a sudden, Hezekiah gets, gets hit with the news. Hey, the Lord told me. Now, men and women, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can... It would been different if Isaiah said, Well, I'm telling you, you, you know, I see you sick, you're going to die. No, Isaiah is a prophet, and he's not just any... Isaiah is a great prophet, and Isaiah sought the Lord. Isaiah says, the Lord said. The Lord said. And men and women, it's a little different than what we do. I know we throw around that thing all the time. The Lord said. No, this is Isaiah saying this. Years ago when we were in the storefront, I remember it was an Easter Sunday, and we, we had one of those services where we nailed all of our sins to the cross. And instead of me doing a, a long sermon on Easter, what we did was I did a real short sermon, and we went and took off the, the uh, sins that were nailed to the cross, and then we burned them. And I don't know if you all remember that, but I had a friend, a preacher friend, who was visiting with us, and as we were getting ready to close the service, he said, Pastor Mike, can I give you a prophecy? The Lord has given me a prophecy for you. And it was this really ugly prophecy. The Lord's going to take you through this, and it's going to be hardship with this, and you're going to, all this is going to happen. And, and uh, you know, I said, thank you very much. And then we closed in prayer, and we went and ate our ham, you know, on Easter afternoon. Well, later on that night, one of the members calls me and says, Pastor Mike, uh, what about that prophecy that was given? I said, well, what about it? They said, well, he said that you're going through all this hardship and you're, they're, they're dark days ahead. And they said, aren't you scared? And I said, no. Matter of fact, I eat so much ham, I'm ready to go to sleep. He said, you're not scared? I said, no, I'm not scared. And they said, why not? And I simply said this. Reverend Ron. I said, if it's of the Lord, I can't do nothing about it. And if it's not of the Lord, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. So here, here Hezekiah is with this word from the Lord, and it's not a good word from the Lord. And how many know that, 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 that there are times in which we find ourselves in a predicament and Satan didn't have nothing to do with it? God allowed you to be sick. I told you this wasn't this ain't cake and candy. I didn't I tell you and I warn you. I told you. 
It's not going to be cake and candy. It's going to be vegetables and meat. Work with me. Even if it's from the Lord, there is always something we can do. There's always something we can do. And, and this may either be for you, or it may be for that family member, that co-worker, that there's something you can do. When you get that bad news, you don't just lower your head. You don't just pat them on the back and say, well, you know, it's going to be alright. No, that is not helping them. There are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And we, we figure all we need to do is love on them. No, you need to give them some hope. And what God does is, He says to Hezekiah, Hezekiah, I want to see where your heart is. And, and it's almost, if you read the rest of the, of the chapter, it's almost as if the Lord said, this is a test. Because I want to see what you do, not when you defeat the Assyrians. I want to see what you do, not when you defeat the Philistines. I want to see what you do, not when you tear down all the Asherahs and everything's going well. I want to see what your praise looks like when it's not. Point number one is simply this. Look at the text. He says, set your heart, your house in order, for you shall, shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the what? Toward the wall. He, he turned his face toward the wall. What does that mean? He is face to face at this point with Isaiah. He is face to face with the prophet, with God's man. God's man gives him a bad report. He doesn't continue to talk to Isaiah. He doesn't plead with Isaiah. He doesn't tell Isaiah, Isaiah, did you hear right? He doesn't say, well, I want a second opinion. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to go to another doctor because obviously you're not helping me. He doesn't get into an argument with Isaiah. He doesn't say, Isaiah, you didn't hear clearly. He turned his face to the wall, symbolic of him saying, I need to be alone with God. Men and women, the best thing that we can do to give people hope is when they get that news or when you get that news, listen, you tell them, listen, your relationship with the Lord will skyrocket if you let it right now. Your dependence upon God will go to a new level if you allow Him, if you focus your... Right now, you don't need to be focused on everybody else. You don't need to be focused on, on, on this or that or the other. You don't need to be focused on bills. You don't need to be focused on the job. You don't need to be focused on the kids. You don't need to be focused on your problems. You need to focus on God and God alone. It is your relation. He turned his face to the wall. One commentator says he wanted God's full attention. And God had his. Men and women, I think we discount our relationships with the Lord. We're so casual with our relationships with, with, with God. We think it ain't going to really matter. We, we, we think like I did when I was a young Christian. I went to church and I saw this lady getting all loud in church. And I didn't say anything to her. She was real close to me. But I gave her one of those looks. You know, you know what one of those looks means? It means they don't take all that. And then I started growing in my relationship with the Lord, and I got, got a few little problems that were too big for me to handle. And I, looked, I thought about that, and I said, well, it does take all that. And a little bit more. It does take all that. It does. 
And men and women, let me stay right here and say, focus is what we need. Focus means you are blocking out everything else and that is your number one attention. And our problem is that Jesus is not our number one attention. That, 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 that there are so many other things that distract us. There's so many things that, uh, that preoccupy us. And you say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, you, 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 you put next to you to make a column and put on one side of the column how much TV you watch and on the other side of the column how much Bible you read. You put, you put, put, put on one side of the common, uh, column how many times you're quoting a preacher or a pastor or a speaker or a minister and how much scripture you're able to quote. You, 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 you put a, a column right down the page on, on the amount of public prayer that you have when you're in a worship service or when you're with, with people on the outside and then your private prayer closet. How often are you saying, let me tell you what God told me? Or how often are you quoting, this is what I think? Men and women, he put his face to the wall. And some of us need to put our face to the wall. It's a clarion call. When you get the news, it's a clarion call for you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. If you are an unbeliever, it is a clarion call for you to get right with the Lord. If you are a growing Christian, for many of us, it is set your your, your face to the wall. Lord, how can I use this for your glory? How can I minister to other folk? How can I bring you glory with this illness? A preacher preached a message years ago. It gained all kinds of popularity. And the title of the, of the message was, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Don't waste it. Meaning, don't be so preoccupied with your cancer that you miss God's glory in it. Because He can get glory out of it. Am I preaching to anybody here that knows... How you can get glory out of a bad situation. Point number two. Not only did he put his face to the wall, but it says then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He prayed. He was putting his face to the wall and then there was an expression of my total dependence upon you. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive, that your joy may be made full. And and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we've asked from Him. Elijah was a man just like we are. But he prayed that it would not rain. And it did not rain upon the earth. Listen, some of us, prayer hadn't failed. It just really hadn't been tried. Listen, he prayed to the Lord. He prayed. It was his habit. It was, it was almost like the Lord is, 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 is just with a megaphone telling us, listen, develop your prayer life in this. You sick? Learn how to pray. 
You wasn't praying when you was well. <laughs> I'll get you to pray now. Listen, y'all, if there is one spiritual discipline that all of us can learn, that all of us need to learn, that all of us need to grow in, if there's anything I want to be known for, it is, hey, Pastor Mike could get a prayer through. God heard him when he prayed. God, listen, doesn't matter how many Bible lessons I teach, doesn't matter how many sermons I preach, if I know how to pray. One of the things my grandmother, we would kneel on the side of the bed. I remember when I was told, told her I was getting ready to witness to one of our family members. And, 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 and we knelt on the side of her bed and we prayed. That was when I was zealous. I just witnessed anything, prayed with anybody. Dude, I was bold in my faith. I'm asking the Lord to revive me so I'm the same way now. But I remember I got up from my knees and she wouldn't get up. See, she was old school. She didn't want, to, want you to see her when she cried. But she didn't get up. And she said, okay. Which meant, you can leave now. It was like, I've got one. I've got one that's learned the legacy. Lord, thank you. I got one. I got one. See, the power isn't in your discussion with the doctor. Mm -mm. The power isn't you trying to figure out the diagnosis because... God already knows what it is. The power isn't in that. The power is in our, is us being on our knees. The power is in prayer. The power is just like our testimony earlier. It is saying, "I'm going to pray." I, I get other folk to pray. That's where the power is. Point number three. He turned his face to the wall and he prayed. Notice what he prays. He says, Lord, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I've walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And then he wept bitterly. Let me say this, and I want to be real clear. Are y'all with me? This is meat and potatoes. It's not candy and cookies. It's not cake. Many of you need to know that there is a difference in the way God, God dealt with his people and the people's understanding of God. Now, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the way the people understood their relationship with God was based on, on, on the law and was based on their, their, their duty and their performing the law. It was based upon uh, the covenant for sure, but it was a covenant of works. Are you with me? So this prayer is not the kind of prayer you need to pray. Because this prayer is about, Lord, you need to heal me because you know I believe in you. You know I've been walking upright. You know I've been... That is consistent with Old Testament patriarchy. It is consistent with the Old Testament outlook. Lord, you know I've been doing... And it is not a bad prayer for Hezekiah. In the New Testament, we pray according to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We pray according to our relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So our prayer here in the New Testament, as New Testament Christians, in Christ and His church is, Lord, remember Jesus. Remember my relationship with Jesus. 
You remember I trust in Jesus. You remember I believe in your sovereignty. You remember that my life is not my own. That my life is, is in your hands. That you are sovereign. You do with me whatever you want. I want to be healed. I want to be well. I want you to deliver me. But Lord, if you can remove this cup from me, fine. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's the prayer that we need to pray. Third thing that, that, that Hezekiah did was he wept bitterly. Many women, I don't know if you've gotten the news. The first time when I had my heart attack in, in 2011, I was fat, dumb, and happy. I wasn't even, I wasn't even scared. I didn't even know it was a heart attack until they told me, uh, wheeling me up to my, my hospital room. This second time was different. I don't know if the first time the Lord uh, protected me about all the stuff that I should think of to get my house in order. But I started thinking of Kim. Candace and Temperance and Christina and Tiara. I started thinking about some of the things that I want to see. I want to see them get married. I want to see grandchildren. You know... It may be selfish, but, but, but if the Lord takes me home, I want you all to hear this. I want you to, I want to see when this church is debt free. I want, I want, I want to see it debt. I want to retire with, with, with no debt on this. So whoever takes it after me can just be free to minister and reach this city for Christ. This, this, and, and I got scared. I ain't ashamed to say. I, 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 was, I was gripped with the fact that I ain't in control of nothing. That if God wanted to, the stint would have still been clawed. That's right. That I'm in control of nothing. Kim didn't see me, but when she was gone, she wasn't gone much. <laughs> I didn't weep bitterly, but I did shed a few tears. Men and women, ain't no shame in that. Because the shortest verse in the Bible, and probably the most powerful, is Jesus, He went. If somebody gets the diagnosis, don't tell them, don't cry. That ain't helping. You allow them to process their emotions. If you get the news, you process your emotions with this. God ain't made you a robot. He's made you a human being with feelings, with, with, with doubts, with fears. That's why the most uh, commanded uh, saying in, in all of the Bible is fear not. Because we're given to that. And men and women, he wept bitterly. Put his face to the wall. He prayed. He wept bitterly. Before we get to point number four and close out, I want you to see what happens. If you have your Bible, look at verse four. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go tell Hezekiah. Thus says the Lord God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 
years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. And, and, and this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing in which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow of the sundial which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backwards. So the sun returns ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. Men and women, the sun doesn't go backwards. God says, I'm going to give you a sign when the sun goes backwards 10 degrees. And the sun did go backwards 10 degrees. And the Lord says, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. And the Lord said, I've given you 15 years. 15 more years. Now, before you theologians say, well, well, God's not sovereign. God's given to changing His mind. Maybe He's not the same day, yesterday, same yesterday, today, and forever. Because Isaiah said that you're going you're to die and you're not going to live. Well, if you look at the verse, He never says when you're going to die. Still fulfilled. It's just 15 years later. And men and women, many of us know of testimonies. We know of individuals who've gone in remission. And they've been given a little bit more time. A little bit more time to serve Him. A little bit more time to love Him and worship Him. A little bit more time to make a difference. A little bit more time to have influence on your family and your friends and those around you. A little bit more time to praise Him. And what He does for Hezekiah is, He says... Listen, I've heard your prayer. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your devotion. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to give you 15 more years. If you read the rest of the text, you read where, where, where Hezekiah prays a prayer to the Lord. And he prays a prayer working through all of his emotions through the process working through all that he, the, he, he was thinking and feeling. And he culminates the prayer at the end of the prayer in chapter 38. And, and he says, you get the glory. You gave me life. You're the one who holds my life in your hands. And listen, that's hope. Those who are dealing with breast cancer, those who are dealing with terminal illness, you got to give them hope. God is the one who says so. I can't guarantee you. He's going to operate the same way he did with Hezekiah here. I can't guarantee you that. What I can guarantee you is he'll give you peace. Uh, See, it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord will take care of you. And He'll walk with you. The last thing before we go home is simply this, point number four. Point number four simply says this, It still rings true. Hezekiah, you got to set your house in order. You see, it didn't matter whether or not Hezekiah died right then or 50 years from then. All of us have to set our house in order. You know, one of the things I thought of when I was in that hospital, I said, oh man, I forgot to clean off my desk. 
Y'all think it's funny. You see, that was symbolic of me putting things in order. I forgot to clean off my desk. I forgot to get out all of the stuff that I want to keep and put it in a place where if I go, uh, Kim and the girls will be able to find the stuff that I want them to find. I forgot to, 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 to put my insurance paper so they'll know who to contact. I forgot to give them all of my usernames and passwords. I forgot to, 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 I didn't forget the insurance. I tease Kim all the time. I'm worth more to you dead than alive. But, uh, uh, but, but I did get that. But there are other stuff that I need to get in order. I want to have the service plan. I, I, I want my godchildren. The children already know that. I want my godchildren to know I left them something. A little something. So I ain't going to be much. But I, I forgot. Listen, all of us need to set our houses in order. We don't know when. Don't know how. But we do know it is going to happen. Last thing and I'll be, be done. I know I'm talking to people that will all know Jesus, right? But the ultimate of setting your house in order is getting right with God. Having Jesus as your personal Lord and your Savior. Knowing where you are going when you, get, when, when you leave this place, knowing that you're going to heaven. Knowing that He has paid the penalty for all of your sins on the cross. Knowing and believing that He has risen from the dead. And if He is risen from the dead, then I will rise from the dead. Knowing that, that He has paid the penalty for all of my sins. Knowing that I have new life and eternal life. Knowing that I am His. Knowing that, 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 that if I were to die tonight... I would close my eyes on this side and open my eyes in heaven. Knowing that I've set my house in order. Knowing that spiritually I'm right with Jesus. Knowing, listen, not guessing, not flipping a coin, not saying I might make it in, but having my house set in order. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. If it's the gods on the other side, the gods of this world, the gods of America, all that, that's fine. But as for me and my house, my house is set. We believe in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I have set my house in order. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that He died on the cross one Friday and rose up from the dead one Sunday morning. I believe that He gives me eternal life and that I have got it. Not based on me, but based on what He has done. I believe in faith. The righteous shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I put all of my faith in Jesus and none in myself. My house is set in order. And many women, if there's one thing, and I know it's uncomfortable, you talk to a loved one, it's the most difficult question you can ask, but it's so necessary. Have you set your house in order? Are you right with God? If you were to die tonight, would you be 100% sure that you go to heaven? Many women... Now, I'm telling you, that is not cake and cookies and ice cream. That's meat and potatoes and vegetables. It's what we need. I believe that this story of Hezekiah is instructive for us because all of us 
are going to die a physical death and not live. It's just a matter of time. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much for Your Word today. We thank You. We love You. We praise You. We honor You. And I pray, Father, if there is one who has the courage enough to say, I'm not sure where I would go if I were to die tonight. I pray that they would indicate that by coming forward, letting us pray with them. I pray, Father, that uh, those who are suffering with terminal illness, I pray for the hope. I pray that they put their face to the wall and look to You. I ask that You would allow them to pray as we pray for them. And Father, allow them to work through whatever emotions there are with the news. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.